Obamacare. The very sound of it makes many of us cringe because we know our choices have been limited and the premiums just keep going up every year. We send our money to big insurance companies who cover elective abortions and profit from us while we struggle to make the monthly payments. Aren't you ready to break free from the shackles of high-cost health care? Please meet my friends at the Alliance for Shared Health. ASH for short. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. They integrate best-in-class healthcare access solutions with the health share world to solve the health care crisis. As a member, you share in the financial burden related to catastrophic health care expenses while also having your own needs met. It's so easy. You can access the virtual care provider at, at zero cost, pick up a prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order expensive lab or imaging tests at discounts of 60 to 80%, conveniently accessed on your phone via the Share mobile app. Not only is ASH helping U.S. residents break free from government-controlled health care, ASH is an international health share ministry. $1 per household per month connects members to its East African health share predecessor, where thousands and thousands of lives are being saved through the ASH-funded pediatric hospital in the remote villages. With open enrollment here, now is your chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of so many in need. Reach out to Ash today. Visit ashcommunity.org. That's ashcommunity.org. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. Or go to stacyontheright.com and click on the Ash link and you can go right to the sign-up page. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination, rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. Welcome to Stacy on the Right, brought to you from the Alliance for Shared Health Studios. And uh, yeah, I'm feeling pretty awesome right now. I have so much to talk to you about today. We have obviously had an election and uh, we don't have a declared winner. We know who won. President Donald John Trump won the election, but we don't have a declared winner because the big steel is on and it's in effect mode. And so today I'm going to talk to you about what we can do as Christians. This is important because we have an option here. We have a couple of options. We can get down in the mully grubs and start complaining and really going on and on and on about how the election is going to be stolen and we are not going to be able to see the result that we want. And even though we prayed, we're not having our prayers answered and blah, blah, blah. No, no, no. We do not want to engage in that kind of double-mindedness. So if you've been like me and you've prayed a whole bunch for the president to be reelected and you've worked towards that, maybe you shared with friends or you knocked doors or you did calls on the Trump app, whatever you did, maybe if you just said, hey, I'm voting for him and putting a sign in my yard and that's enough, it, it was enough. But we can't allow ourselves to fall into the trap of being negative about something that we've prayed for. So I want to launch into a discussion about this. And, and to me, this is even more important than getting the result that we want. And you might be thinking, what'd you say? I said it. This is just as important or even more important than getting the result that we want. So here is how I've been thinking about it. First off, it was Tuesday afternoon, actually Wednesday morning. Obviously, I did the the, the Sirius XM election night coverage. I had prayed and was hoping that I was going to be the one to say, Donald John Trump is still your president for the next four years. And then, you know, hit my applause button. 
And that wasn't what happened. In fact, midway through the segment of the broadcast that I was doing, they actually made an announcement on the news that they weren't calling any more states. That kind of ticked me off. I'm not going to, you know, let's just be real here. Uh, So then the next morning or later that morning, because I'd I'd gone back to bed, gotten up. It was a full day of things that I needed to get done because Wednesday is one of my full days during the week. So I looked at you know, here's, here's what I have to do. I have to go here. I have to go there. You know, here's work I have to do. And in my email, I had this newsletter from Gary Varvel and it had a scripture verse in it. You know, he's the great cartoonist. He has amazing cartoons. So he has a newsletter that you can sign up for and it comes once every blue moon and it always has one of his latest cartoons in it. It's just a joy to have because he is a bedrock conservative and a Christian. And so he has this Bible verse that he starts off with at the very beginning of the newsletter, there's an image of uh, Uncle Sam kneeling in front of a ballot box praying as if he's praying over the election. And then there's this few verses from Habakkuk. Habakkuk cries out to the Lord in chapter one, verse two, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen or cry out to you violence, but you do not save. Why do you make me look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Destruction and violence are before me. There is strife and conflict abounds. Therefore, the law is paralyzed and justice never prevails. The wicked him and the righteous so that justice is perverted. And then the Lord replies, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. For I am going to do something in your days that you would not believe, even if you were told. That's Habakkuk 1, 2 through 5. This is where it gets a little hairy, right? Habakkuk is crying out because he's seeing things and he feels like he's prayed, he's cried out and God's not answering. And God is saying, Look at the nations and watched and be utterly amazed for I'm going to do something in your days that you won't believe, even if you're told. So what what do you make of that? Well, I'll tell you what I make of it. I make of it that Habakkuk cannot know the full mind of God. Therefore, he has to wait. And that is where we are right now. We're in a waiting mode. But it doesn't mean we can't do anything. It doesn't mean we can't pray that we can't uh, actively support the efforts to uncover the fraud that we can't still engage in the things that God has for us to do, which is to grow closer to him and also to bring others to him. And if we concern ourselves with the main thing, then we will not be in a position where we can't deal with waiting for the answer to our prayers. One thing we have to learn is that God's no is way better than man's yes. God always gives us his best for our best and God doesn't sleep or fail or fail to see every possibility. We're called in scripture to have a childlike faith. So if you're a parent, just think about it for a second. Has any one of your children ever come to you, especially when they were smaller and said, hey, mom, how are we paying the mortgage this month? Or, hey, hey, dad, have you set up that auto pay for the gas bill? We just moved in here. and We need to move all of our auto pays over. Do kids ask you those things? Do they ever say they'll tell you we're all out of milk or I want some milk? Do they ever say to you, um, it's getting late and the store closes at 9 p.m. And if you keep sitting there working on your laptop, you're not going to have time to go pick something up from the grocery store. No, children concern themselves with childish things. And we are children of God, co-heirs with Christ, and we are called to have a childlike faith. We pray for what we want, the desires of our heart, and then we wait. We continue to pray. We can continue to knock. The Bible tells us to do that. But at no point does it say, okay, after you've prayed, now commence to worrying, complaining, backbiting, and uh, you know, sniping at your neighbor on, on Twitter or Facebook. And I can raise my hand and say I've been guilty of that and probably will again because I'm not perfect. But the idea here is to do it less until we stop doing it at all. 
We're called to remember something very specific about our relationship with God. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you have the proper attitude about this, yes, I, I, I can't find anybody else that I know personally who is more invested than I am in reelecting President Donald John Trump. I've spent so much of my personal time and treasure working to that end and praying for it. But it doesn't mean that if I don't get what I've worked for and prayed for, that somehow God is not on my side, not in my favor, or that he's not here for me, still working things out for my good. And not just me, but all of the, the people in this country. We cannot be separated from him by anything. We can't be separated from his love. And that love comes through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross. And of course, the salvation that comes along with that should we decide to receive it. So let's talk about what we can do. First Corinthians 9 says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. Everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. So what is this verse telling us? It's saying, first of all, it's a training type of a thing. If you think about Olympic runners or people who uh, play sports for a living, they practice six hours a day. They run all kinds of races in between. Like they don't just run the race for the Olympics. They don't just run the qualifiers. They run all kinds of other regional races and in any races that they can get into that are competitive so that they can test themselves and ensure that their training is bringing the strength and speed and prowess that they hope to demonstrate in this one race, which the ultimate goal is obviously the Olympics and a gold or silver or bronze medal. Everything that comes along with being an Olympic champion. So how much more if, if Olympic champions or people who desire to be Olympic champions train with that level of furor six hours a day, they have a special diet, they have trainers. Sometimes it's more than that. And often they're, they're, they're not resting on the weekends like we do. We work Monday through Friday and rest on the weekends. They're also doing some kind of training, something to condition their body, even on the weekends. It's a full-time job because they have to be the best in the world to be able to make it into the Olympics. So how much more are we to see and consider where we are now, our training ground? We can't be blown about when things don't immediately go our way. It's called having patience and endurance. Am I saying that President Trump isn't going to win the election? Oh, no. Don't get it twisted. I'm not saying he's not going to win. I'm saying we are in a waiting mode. And as we watch the basically the fruit of having a very corrupt national and moral center, having a, a lot of Americans who it's win by hook or by crook, they don't care if, if the win comes by cheating. They just want to win. Having that it, it points to the unrighteousness and the fact that we have the most unchurched generation in the history of our country right now. Americans are turning their backs on God. So what we have to do is, first of all, we have to be steadfast and immovable. We can't be blown about when things don't immediately go our way. We have to press in. And pressing in looks like the next time you're out to lunch or dinner, ask your server, do you, can we pray for you? Is there anything we could pray for you about? And you might be thinking, well, wow, Stacey, you're getting kind of weird. No, I'm not. That's not weird at all. We have a very, very... A volatile populace right now. People are hurting. They want answers. They want someone to pray with them. They're looking for someone, anyone to show them some caring, some consideration, some kindness. And we have the ability to do that because we're supposed to be those joyful, 
peculiar people. We know the end of this thing. We've read the book. We've seen the end. We know that we win in the end and we have a glorious future ahead of us, ruling and reigning with Christ and doing all kinds of wonderful things in the afterlife. So why not have that same joy that you plan to have then having it now? And why not spreading that to everyone, your Christian brothers and sisters, and in past that to a waiting sin sick world that is desperate for kindness and prayer and, and someone who thoughtfully cares about them. We need to have a penchant for joyous, happy living. So 2 Timothy 4 verse 2 admonishes us to preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and teaching. So that's what we are supposed to do. I mean, that's pretty simple. Preach the word. Tell other people about Jesus. That's what we have to do. And then 1 Timothy 6, 12 says we are to fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession before many witnesses. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made the good confession before many witnesses. I mean, come on. That means we're out there. We're spreading the truth. We don't any, let any lies fly by us without challenging them. We've taken hold to our own eternal life in such a way that our relationship with Jesus Christ is solid. We have our prayer life. We have our praise and worship going. And we are able to offer kindness and generosity to everyone around us so that we can win them over for Jesus Christ. Because the fact is, I don't know if you've noticed, but the deception, the level of deception in this country right now is at an all-time high. People don't, not only can they not absorb the truth, they can't discern it when they see it. When you bring someone the truth who is deceived, they literally begin to fight you over it. They want to destroy you for telling the truth. That's what the cancel culture is about. Why would people feel that way? Why is it such a repugnant act to tell the truth? Because if you are deceived, the truth stinks to you. The truth is painful to you. The truth is something that you not only don't want to hear, you want to shut people down. You don't want them telling anyone something that goes against what you've currently chosen to be your truth, chosen to be your ideological bent, chosen to thumb your nose at God, to ignore him and his precepts and to live for yourself. You don't want to hear anybody telling you the truth. So in order to knock someone out of that kind of deception, they have to first come to know Jesus Christ, which means we have to be out there telling them what we know. So listen, there's a, a an opportunity here for us. We are in a place of harvest where Americans are desperate to hear the truth and we have it. We cannot allow ourselves to be taken up with worry or negativity when so many people out there need us to speak to them and speak truth to them and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ. I'm not saying I haven't experienced any worry over the past few days, but when it comes, I replace it with praise and worship or I take those thoughts captive or I think on a Bible verse that really encourages me and I move on. Because I cannot waste time worrying about what is going to happen when I know God is in control and he's going to work all things out for the good of those who are called according to his purpose. He's going to do it. He cannot lie. He cannot. He doesn't fail. He doesn't sleep. He's not surprised by any of this. He didn't wake up, quote fingers, on you know Wednesday morning and say, oh my, what is going on in America? That's not God. He already knew what was going to happen. He has known. He is already worked it out for our good. We don't have anything to fear or worry about. I don't know about you, but that's really comforting. I mean, it just makes my heart sing. Check me out tonight on Sirius XM. I'm doing some more live coverage of 
Well, what I just shared with you and more about the election, StacyOnTheRight.com so you can sign up for Alliance for Shared Health. 